This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. What has changed your life? What has made you a believer in Jesus Christ? What has changed everything about you and being born again a believer in Jesus Christ? It was belief. You believed and acted on that belief. You repented of your sin, now you're born again. It was belief. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's belief. So it's that belief that we still need to be careful that we don't drift away. And we don't wander and we don't have our hearts hardened. To believe something means to be sure that it's true. It's giving our trust and our hearts to something. In our relationship with Christ, belief may be the most critical aspect of it all. Why? Because if we do not believe, we do not have Jesus Christ in our lives. Today, Pastor Eddie will be talking to us about the dangers of unbelief. The Bible tells us that it's impossible to please God without belief. Therefore, We must be aware of where our hearts and minds are with Him. Today's message is one that we all need to hear. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 as he continues his message, Warning Against Unbelief. says verse 12 lest there be in any of you you Christians an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God so can a Christian have an evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God that's why there's a warning so the answer is yes there is a reason there is a warning once saved always saved on God's part yes and amen Right? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can remove us from his hands. However, you still have a free will. Once saved, always saved on your end. That's where there's a problem. I trust God. God is faithful. We're faithless. The free will that you had to accept Jesus Christ on the cross did not stop there. The free will that you have, you still have now. You still have a free will to choose to how you're going to live for God. So the once saved, always save. if that's their point, like once you save, that's it. But what if someone accepts Christ and then later on drift away? Then unbelief and heart, that's why there's warnings and says, you know, I don't believe in Christ anymore. I've heard that. I remember, I remember clearly, and I, I shared this with you before. I knew one girl, she, she was part of the worship team. She would, she would worship God, anointed, crying tears. Somehow we departed, you know, we had different lives. She moved, got on the phone. I don't believe Jesus Christ is God. Can we change? Yes. Of course, we change things we believe in all the time. Once we believe something, later on after we... You know, life goes on or whatever we learn, we, we, we don't believe in it anymore. 
So what we're saying, if once saved, always saved, what if the person doesn't want to accept Christ? Lord, I know I accepted you. It was genuine. Because I know there are people who say, well, you never gave your life. Who, how can you know that? Where's there a scripture in the Bible to prove that, well, if they, were, if they backslide or, or if they don't follow Christ anymore, that's because they were never born to begin. Where do you find that in the Bible? So what if the person says, I don't want to follow God anymore? What's Jesus going to say? I'm sorry, you're with me. You're stuck for life. Once saved, always saved. But Jesus, I don't, I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. Jesus, I attend the satanic church. Sorry. No, you see, you get what I'm saying? Yes. When somebody says once saved, always saved, ask them, you know, try to make that clear. What do you mean by that? That nothing can separate us from love? Yes, because of Christ. Yes. Nothing can remove us from his hands. Nothing. But I may not lose my salvation. I like the way Chuck Smith would say it, but I can walk away from his salvation. What did Jesus say? And that day, many would say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, performed miracles? Lord, I mean, if you look at the resume of that person, it's better than mine. In all my life and ministry, perform miracles? I never did that. Prophesied? I don't think I prophesied. I don't think I cast out demons. Maybe on myself. No, I was good. Christians are not demons, by the way. That's another story, okay? God is not into timeshare. He's in your heart. If he's in your heart, that's no. But anyway, the point is, that resume that that person had that Jesus described, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What do you think that means? And, you know, we look at the word chosen. We, actually, we're talking about Israel. Israel, the chosen people that were chosen. Oh, they weren't chosen. You know, you hear that? The hyper Oh, they weren't chosen. Well, the true Israel were chosen. Did, did they all go to heaven? If you want to hang on the chosen doctrine, theology, you know, it's God's foreknowledge. It's God's foreknowledge. He knows who's chosen. He had the book of life is in heaven. He knows whose names are written in there. But the chosen, does it mean all of Israel goes to heaven? No. But you see, they sinned there in the wilderness, and they did not make it into the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. That's the key word. What has changed your life? What has made you a believer in Jesus Christ? What has changed everything about you? And being born again a believer in Jesus Christ, it was belief. You believed and acted on that belief. You repented of your sin. Now you're born again. It was belief. The Bible says in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's belief. So it's that belief that we still need to be careful that we don't drift away and we don't wander and we don't have our hearts hardened because you could be cut off. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 11, verses 19 to 23, this is what he wrote. Now, just to give you the background, the branches here, he's talking about Israel, which is the olive tree. The Gentiles who have been grafted in are the wild olive tree, or wild olive branches, olive tree, olive branches, wild olive trees, Gentile believers, branches. In Romans chapter 11, verse 19, it says, you say, Paul says, you say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Okay, some of the branches of this tree have been broken off that I, as a Gentile, have been grafted in. Verse 20, well said, Paul said, because of 
Unbelief, they were broken off. Why were they broken off? Unbelief. Then he goes and says, because of unbelief, they've been broken off. And you, Gentile Christian, you, believer in Jesus Christ, stand by faith. Do not be haughty. In other words, don't think yourself highly. Oh, well, God forgot about the Jews. That's not true. That's replacement theology. That's a bad doctrine. God did not forget about the Jews. It's Jews or Gentiles. He said, do not be haughty, but fear. What does that mean? Well, that's what Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says. It says, take your salvation with, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and tremble. Why we have to work out our salvation, not work for salvation, but because of salvation, we work, we serve the Lord, we worship him, but we do it with fear and tremble. Why is there a warning there? Because you can drift away. But he says, but fear, verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural, that's Israel, the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Once saved, always saved, not according to the text here. Verse 22, therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you, goodness, if, if, the conditional clause, you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, For God is able to graft them in again. In other words, they can come back to faith. You get it? This branch and this thing, it also parallels what Jesus said about abiding in the vine. I am the vine. The branches. What did Jesus say in John chapter 15, verses 5 and 6? He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you cannot do nothing. Here it is. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. Don't be deceived. Follow Jesus Christ. That's why it's mentioned in all the seven letters to the churches. He overcomes. He overcomes. He overcomes. So if we don't overcome, sorry, we don't, we're not going to take your word for it. I may not overcome. One save, always save. Be careful. We see it in this text here. And I know there are going to be those, I've had those that call me with, said, listen. I had some that tell me, oh, well, I gave them the example. I said, what if they accept Christ and became a Satanist priest? God would kill them. Show me in the Bible where it says that. They come up with all kinds of weird things. Yes, there's security because he is, being in Christ, there's security because he is faithful. As long as I stay with him. But I could walk away and say, Lord, I don't want it anymore. I don't want you anymore. He's not going to force you. Verse 12, back to Hebrews chapter 4. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Depart. You, in other way, depart from something. You had to be a part of something. Depart from who? The living God. Verse 13, but exhort, here it is, exhort. This is how we encourage one another, so we stay the course. But exhort, encourage one another daily, what is called today, now is important. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The solution 
to avoid unbelief and departing, the drifting away to the part where your heart is hardened and the unbelief comes in. The solution is to be encouraged daily in the house of God with one another. That's what he's saying. Encourage one another. You know, especially now in these days, there's so many false teachings, false doctrines out there. People are being deceived. We need to encourage one another. That's why it's important that we gather together. We gather in fellowship, even in the church. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the live streaming. But live stream is not church. I understand if someone can't make it, that's great. You know, they're sick. I understand that. But if that's the only church, then you're not a part of the church. You're part of Netflix. Again, I'm not knocking it completely down because it has its place. But you can't fellowship with people. You can't interact with people. You can't hug a brother or sister in Christ. You can't see the expression in your face. You can't have agape, you know, break bread and have a cup of coffee with people in the church. You can't do that live streaming. If live streaming would have worked, you know, can you imagine a family only live streaming each other? You know, I mean, it's sad today. They text each other and they're one one couch to the other couch. They're texting each other. Are you kidding me? But can you imagine? I'm sorry, honey. Let's live stream right now. I got to talk to you. Let's Zoom. My relationship with my wife has nothing. I can't be Zoomed, that's for sure. She may want it, but I don't. (laughs) You can't have a relationship that way. That's not church. Try Zooming the gym. Can you pick up the dumbbell? No, the one... The one in your left. No, that's too heavy. That's 25? No. 35. You can do it for me. You know, I mean, that's not church. But gathering together, this is why we gather. And it's coming to church is not scoring points with God. God's going to say, okay, all right, you came to church. That's good. You know what I mean? People come to church that are really not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Sad to say, but it's the truth. I've heard many stories of people been going to church for years and never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of Person. They think by going to church, that's, that's okay. I knew this pastor which just shared about a man who went to his church for three years. Three years. He said, Eddie, it might be longer than that, but I know for sure three years. He would come in late and then leave early for three years. Until one day he came to the altar and he cried. He repented of his sin. He said, I wasn't saved. I wasn't saved. I came to church, thought that was it. Going to church is nothing. You probably heard Keith Green had this song. He said, going to church don't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. Right? Going to church is what we do to be fed. And then we go out there. We Now, this is what I've been fed, the word of God. Been fed spiritually. And I go and now I, I live the, what I've learned. That's why it's important to encourage one another. Hebrews chapter 10, he goes in, in chapter 10, verses 24, 25. This is what he says. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Here it is, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Don't forsake that. It's not Facebook, YouTube, or live streaming. It has its place. As in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Again, that urgency, the day. We need to gather. We need a fellowship. You know, I had a conversation with a brother earlier about, you know, me growing up. I, I was safe since my family. I was safe since we were eight. And I kind of backslid when I was in my late teens. By God's grace, you know, 
I, I repented. It came back and, you know, thank God. But the point, what I was trying to say is during that time, I realized that the more I was plugged into church, the less likely I was going to fall away, drift away. I'm not saying church is going to help that relationship, but it, it is the help for relationship with God, but it's important. Because I found myself, when I had responsibilities in the ministry, I was committed. I had to be there. But when I was there, you know, sometimes, oh, I got to go to church. But it was at the end. I said, man, I'm glad I went to church. I almost didn't want to go. I'm glad We had this meeting. I didn't want to go. I'm glad I went. I was blessed. Until I realized every time I go, I get blessed. So getting involved in ministry helps. There's a level coming. I know for me, this is the only thing God trusts me with. God won't trust me with anything else. Children's ministry, you would not trust me in children's ministry because I'll be easy on them. I love the kids. <laughs> I'll probably take them home. But this is what God trusts me with. And you have no idea that I have, and people say, I wouldn't want to be a pastor. I understand where you're coming from because sheep do bite. Pastor Bobby said that. That's the truth. You know, you have. But it's only a few. It's like when you look at the children of Israel, there's only, you know, 10 out of two and a half million people. But I love them anyway. But it's, it's a lot of work. But I have the greatest job in the world. I love God. I love the word. I love people. I'm in the word all the time. You know, sometimes I have side notes from my study. Oh, I got to look at this. This is interesting. File. Oh, I got to look at, I have three monitors here in my office here in the office home. And sometimes I got to realize, man, I'm running out of time. I got to keep it in context. You know, like 10 hours of study, but only speaking 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Today is going to be two hours, but you get the idea. Not just kidding, but you get the idea. I love studying the word of God, the best job in the world, and to teach the word of God. And I knew of a pastor that... A while ago said, you know, I'm thinking of retiring. What do you think, Ed? I'm praying about, I said, retiring? Who in the Bible retired? What is this retiring? Oh, he's a retired minister. Really? Was he really ministering to begin with? What did, they asked Billy Graham that question. Oh, I'm going to retire. Billy, I don't recall anybody in the Bible retiring, so I'm not going to retire until God comes. So I'm sorry for the soul of the hoping God takes me early. Sorry. I'm here until God comes. Anyway, I love teaching the word of God, period. I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep doing what God has called me to do. This is always, oh, yeah, the pastor. That was it. You were, you were happy I remember that. God left you hanging. So I'm not leaving the church, so he tells me what to happen. So anyway, he, he said, I was thinking of retiring. And I said, you know what? I tell you this. I'm going to tell you from my, my view. The fact that I have to be in the word every day, not to teach topical, whatever's in my head, search somebody's sermon, 10 steps to a better you. No, because of the fact I have to study this book Tuesday, most of the day, into Wednesday for Wednesday night. The rest of the week, I'm reading this text. Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm up, praying, going over my notes. The fact, those five days, (laughs) the fact that I have to be in the Word, study it, Rightly dividing the word of truth, giving you all the information. The fact that I'm there keeps me from falling. Keeps me in the presence of God. It keeps me in place in my relationship with God. And the point I'm trying to say is, stay in the presence of God. And this is where the ministry, this is where it comes to. Because we can drift away. 
Don't drift away. Don't harden your heart. Unbelief. Now, let's get back to Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 14, it says, We have become partakers of Christ if... There's the conditional clause. We have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Work out your salvation with fear and trouble. Do not drift away. Be careful, harden your heart, right? Verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion. And so there is the warning and it is for us today, and in this present generation, the generation of Israel, it still applies today. The heart of man has always been the same since Genesis. It's been the same with the tool of Israel. The word of God is the same today. Be careful. Verse 16, he's going to ask a series of questions and answer his own questions with a question. He says, for who, having heard rebellion, indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? The answer, who is the children of Israel? Verse 17, now with whom was he, God, angry 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? Answers to his question with a question is Israel. Verse 18, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Once again, the children of Israel is applicable for you and I. To enter into the rest of Jesus. Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief. Children of Israel, it was the promised land. To you and I, it is heaven. The rest is in a person. It's not a vacation, not a day in the calendar, not a day off. The rest is in a person, the person, Jesus Christ. He's our Sabbath. There's a lot of wisdom in having the Sabbath. But Jesus says that man was not made for the Sabbath, Sabbath made for the man. Our rest is in Jesus Christ. It's not in a day, it's in Jesus. It's good to take out that day. I think it's healthy. I take that day Monday. Monday is my Sunday. That's my day. Though, there's other things in the house that I have to do. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's a time where I take, but I'm in the Lord every day. He's my rest. Case in point, how many here say, believe in Jesus Christ? You're confident because you're right with Christ. You have repented of your sins. You are right with Jesus. You're born again that if you die this very second, you're confident that you'll be in the presence of God. That's rest. For those who don't believe, unbelief, they're not confident if they die. They have no idea where they're going. That's not rest. See, our rest is in the person, the person Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the word rest is mentioned 11 times in the entire book of the book of Hebrews. 11 times. Because it speaks of and it points to that person, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, the Mashiach, the Messiah. Friends, we're so glad you decided to join us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie has been taking us through the book of Hebrews in a series titled, Jesus is Better. Within its pages, you hear about great people of faith. Do you feel like you could live a life like these great people of faith? You realize they weren't perfect, right? Our hope is that these messages are empowering you to see and believe that you can be a person of great faith too. One way to grow in your faith and understanding of God is by joining up with others who love and serve God. 
Here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of Hebrews. For today, our time has come to a close, but we'll be back again next time and hope you will too. Come back to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of Hebrews, here on Running the Race. 